Hello and welcome to the Californiography Podcast. I am your host, Javier Servin, aka Fuhauser. Hope y'all are doing well. I know it's been a while since we last chatted, but I have a really good excuse. Took a little time off to celebrate my anniversary with my beautiful wife, Ellie. We took a road trip up to Northern California, and I realized that I really love driving. I just hate sitting in traffic. We had some great stretches where we were the only car on the road. We made it all the way up to Humboldt County, visited some amazing spots with great history along the way. So watch out for those videos and podcast episodes from that trip in the future. So as I'm recording this episode, the World Baseball Classic is in full swing. Pun definitely intended. We're also two weeks from opening day, so what better time than now to talk about baseball? But we're not going to be talking about the Padres, Angels, Giants, Athletics, or even the Dodgers, although the team we're going to talk about is from Los Angeles, more specifically, East LA. Today, we're going to talk about Los Choriceros, the New York Yankees of LA baseball, and the importance that baseball played in the Mexican-American community. Baseball has played an important role in Mexican-American communities since the early part of the 20th century. In fact, the years between the 1920s and 1960s are often called the golden age of Mexican-American baseball by researchers like Richard A. Santillan and Francisco E. Valderrama, who have studied and written countless books and articles on the subject. Wherever there was a Mexican-American community, there was a fan base for homegrown heroes and teams in places like Detroit, Chicago, Topeka, Denver, San Antonio, Tucson, and of course, Los Angeles. These games played an important role far beyond just sports entertainment. They were events where the entire community gathered. They'd visit with friends and family. They'd have receptions before games where fans and opposing players would socialize over food, music, and dancing. But come game time, usually on a Sunday, it was all business, as community pride was at stake. Nowhere was baseball more popular than East LA, it had the largest concentration of Mexican-Americans in the U.S. and was home to the most successful team of that era, the Carmelita Provision Company's Los Choriceros, or Sausage Makers in English. Carmelita was founded by Mario Lopez, an outstanding baseball player in his native Chihuahua, Mexico. He was so good that he was recruited by the Cleveland Indians in 1925 when he was just 16 years old, but his family didn't allow him to turn pro. Mario immigrated to the U.S. in the late 1920s and played on several of the L.A. area baseball teams. He opened a gas station, aptly named Mario Service Station, and decided to sponsor a baseball team in 1942 with that name. This was very common during the time. You'd have teams named after businesses, so you might see Mario Service Station play Eastside Beer or National Autoglass play Speed Liquor. Mario Service Station found some early success under the management of pitcher-slash-manager Tommy Perez, who led them to a couple of community championships, with Mario Lopez playing the shortstop-slash-sponsor role. Mario was able to recruit the best players because he'd often give them free gas if they had a good game, and they'd hang out at the station to barbecue and drink beer. By 1948, Lopez had closed the station, but had opened another business in the meantime, Carmelita Provision Company. He remembered that after he'd arrived in the 1920s, there were few places where you could get popular Mexican food like chicharrones, pig's feet, or chorizo. I know it's hard to imagine not being able to find chicharrones or chorizo in LA today, but they were hard to come by back then and he stepped in to fill in that void with his pork factory. He once again formed the baseball team 
It had Tommy Perez return as manager, where they played wearing uniforms bearing the initials CPC in cursive across their chest for Carmelita Provision Company. However, after winning their first community championship, one of the players, Saul Toledo, nicknamed them Los Choriceros, and the name stuck. The team logo was a pig with a baseball cap holding a bat, which would later become the company's logo as well. One side note that I have to mention here because it's just too interesting of a fact to leave out, the team included the Peña brothers, a group of nine brothers. No, you didn't hear wrong. Nine brothers, who were not only famous in the community, but nationally, as Ripley's Believe It or Not had published an account of the brothers and their manager slash dad. So anyway, back to Los Choriceros. Los Choriceros played at different fields throughout East LA, usually against other Mexican-American teams, although they also played against teams made up mostly of African-Americans, Asian-Americans, or other ethnic groups that reflected the diversity of Los Angeles. After a few years of managing them, Tommy Perez resigned, and Manuel Perez, no relation to Tommy, took over managerial duties. Manuel was affectionately known as Shorty, and he became a legend of Barrio Baseball. He led the team to 19 city championships in the 35 years that he managed the team, which earned him the nickname of the New York Yankees of LA Baseball. One of the greatest games under his tenure took place at Wrigley Field in present-day South LA, where Los Choriceros beat Venice 3-2 in the LA City Finals. They beat a Venice team that had Joe Mulder, who was about to sign a deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So as I previously mentioned, game day went beyond just sports entertainment. It was a place where the community gathered. On game day, the players would arrive early to the park to help prep the field for play, and family and other community members would set up food stands where they'd sell tacos, tamales, burritos, sodas, and beer. There'd often be music provided by mariachis or other musicians, and the fans would gather to cheer their favorite players, but also to gossip and catch up with their friends and family. Game days also provided a safe and convenient place for the community to discuss the issues facing them. Los Choriceros played during turbulent decades where many racially charged events against the community happened. There were the mass deportations during the Great Depression, the Zoot Suit Riots of 1943, the eviction of the Mexican-American community of Chavez Ravine in the 1950s to make way for Dodger Stadium, and the Chicano movement of the 1960s. Game days were a place where the community could develop strategies to confront the political issues, labor struggles, or racial discrimination they faced. It was also a place where Mexican-American labor and political leaders could make inroads in the community. As one Choriceto player said, smart politicians attended games because that's where the Mexican people were. The baseball field played an important role in not only developing physical health, but also strengthening the social and political empowerment of the community. Many of the Choriceto players went on to become prominent community leaders, including teachers, political and business leaders, and professors. Mario Lopez passed away in 1966, never getting to see how popular his Carmelita pork products would become in the late 20th century. Manuel Shorty Perez passed away in 1981 and was buried in his Choriceros uniform, holding a baseball signed by his players. The team continued to play and be successful, but never at the level experienced during his tenure. And sadly, Carmelita Provision Company closed sometime in the late 2010s, the baseball playing pig logo still visible on the side of the factory, but faded. However, the legacy of Los Choriceros and other Barrio baseball teams continues to be kept alive, 
Surviving Choriceros players continue to speak at schools and promote youth sports. A plaque has been placed near the Dodgers Dreamfield at the center of Belvedere Park in East LA that commemorates Shorty Perez. And researchers like professors Francisco E. Valderrama and Richard A. Santillan, as well as organizations like the Institute for Baseball Studies at Whittier College and the Latino Baseball History Project at Cal State San Bernardino, continue to document and preserve the stories of those communities and their teams to ensure that future generations will know about them. As I've said before, I wanted to do this podcast to do deeper dives into some of the videos that I've made because you can't always fit all the info you want to into a two, three minute video. And this was a topic that I felt needed revisiting and a deeper dive. If you haven't seen my video on Los Choriceros, I'll leave the link so you can check it out in the description. There's some really great pictures in that video. If you'd like to learn more about Mexican-American baseball, I highly recommend reading the Mexican-American Baseball In series from Arcadia Publishing. So far, there are nine books, all co-authored by Richard A. Santillan, that cover Mexican-American baseball in Los Angeles, Orange County, the Inland Empire, and other places in California and Texas. I'll leave a link to those books as well. I'll also link to the Institute for Baseball Studies and the Latino Baseball History Project. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Californiography Podcast. Make sure to subscribe here and to my YouTube channel and follow me on social media. I would really appreciate it. Until next time when we, because remember, it's you and me, continue to explore the history that's in our own backyard that we call California. All right, talk to you soon.